You know, when I started pinball podcasting, there were maybe four or five pinball podcasts in the world, but now there's like 20 of them. And all of you out there, you get all the interviews I can get. You talk to all the employees at pinball companies that won't talk to me. And I thought to myself, how can I give something to the Canada pinball fan base that nobody else has, that nobody's given them? And I thought to myself, the most valuable thing in this world, way more valuable than pinball, way more valuable than these toys, the most precious thing we have is music. And what if I could give you pinball fans out there a little bit of a journey into the musical world of the hottest pinball machine that is out there right now. And I could give you the ability to hear music by the band that has created the greatest pinball machine ever. Music that no one's ever heard. And I wanna play for you right now a podcast I did that no one's ever heard. And this is a journey into the music of Guns N' Roses in a way that no one's ever heard it. And you're about to hear music that no one has ever heard. And I can't wait to play this for you. It's not about pinball. This is solely about music. Because to me, music means more than any pinball machine ever. And I hope you really enjoy this. I really do. Because this is not like any other pinball podcast you have ever heard. So ladies and gentlemen, the music that never made it onto Chinese democracy. And before we air it, this is the song that got me down on one knee when I proposed to Brenda.
You know, I think one of the greatest moments in my life was when I was at a secret show during Fashion Week in which a band was playing in a tiny little gig. A tiny little gig. It was a John Varvatos store, which was sort of reconfigured to be what it used to be, which was a club called CBGB's. And taking the stage that night was a band called Guns N' Roses, playing for about 200 people. GNFNR playing for 200 people. And after the show, I'm downstairs in the VIP area, and I walk up to a gentleman. I get introduced to him by his manager. And the first thing that W. Axel Rose says to me when he shakes my hand, he says, are you Canada? And this is a true story. So for those of you who don't know, I am the biggest Guns N' Roses fan ever. I was on that forum, my GNR forum, for over a decade trying to get Chinese democracy released. And what you may not know about me is back in the day, my client was Dr. Pepper, and I convinced them to do an incredible promotion. We offered everybody in America, except for two people, a free soda if Axel Rose would come out with Chinese democracy anytime in 2008. Now, keep in mind, this album had been, been in the works for 17 years. And guess what happened? He came out with the album. Now, Dr. Pepper effed up the entire giveaway because they didn't think it was going to happen. But I'm just saying, that was me, this little dude, this little guy and like who grew up in the suburbs of New York, who's a GNR fan, got the third largest soda company to jump into a story that was all mine, all mine. And so what I want to play for you right now is a really special thing because if you don't know the history of GNR, I'll break it down real simply. Biggest band in the world. Then all of a sudden, here's what happens. They record a song for the Interview with a Vampire soundtrack. It was a Rolling Stones cover of Sympathy for the Devil. And what happened was this. They recorded that song and Slash did his parts and Axel did his parts. They did it separately. And then all of a sudden, when Slash heard the final version of the song, he realized that Axl Rose brought in a different guitarist to play over Slash's parts. And that was what ended Guns N' Roses. It was, back, it was basically like 1994, 95, and that was it. He was done. Slash was out of Guns N' Roses. Duff was out of Guns N' Roses. And all of a sudden, Axl Rose said, I'm going to make a new Guns N' Roses album called Chinese Democracy. That was 1996. Now, what you're going to hear right now, you're going to hear the music that Axl created without Slash. The music he created to bury the old GNR. And I think there's some brilliant stuff here. And I think there's some stuff here that hits so hard and so amazing. But you know what? Axel didn't release any of this stuff. Like most of it never made its way onto Chinese democracy. And Chinese democracy for the fans out there, you can hear my voice straining. It was an album in which we waited 17 years for. And the reason why I hope you listen to this entire show is this means more than pinball. You think making pinball machines is hard? Try reinventing the biggest band in the world with all new musicians. Like, music means more than pinball. Music is way more magical than pinball. So I hope you enjoy this. 
I hope when you go to vote for your Twippy vote for favorite pinball podcaster, you remember that it was Canada that let you hear new Guns N' Roses songs that the world has never heard before. Like, this is crazy. The story of how I have these tracks is absolutely crazy. Now, here's the thing. None of these that you're going to hear with Axe's lyrics have ever been released. So, And these songs are 20 years old. Let me repeat that. These songs you're about to hear with Axl Rose singing are 20 years old. And some of them are phenomenal. Some of them are like, yeah, what the hell are you doing, Axel? But anyway, I hope you enjoy this show, Canada's Pinball Podcast. Here you go. I think the best way to start out this journey on listening to all of the unreleased Guns N' Roses material or the demo tracks and the original 1999 to 2001 Chinese Democracy tapes, which are infamous now in the world of Guns N' Roses, I think the best way to start this out is to understand one simple fact, that Axl Rose wanted to make an album that buried his arch nemesis, which ironically was his lead guitarist, Slash that so much of this album was fueled by his hatred of Slash and his desire to record music that sounded nothing like the Slash material of Guns N' Roses of old. And we're going to start this with a song from 1999. Now, you might not know this, but Axl Rose re-recorded Sweet Child of Mine and put it on the soundtrack to the Big Daddy movie. What's interesting here is one very, very simple change to the song Axel made. In between verses, after he says, whoa, 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 sweet child of mine, there is usually that iconic slash solo, you know, Axel just removes it from the song. Let's listen to that right now. And this is the ultimate F you to slash in 1999. Did you catch it? Did you see how he just went on into the second verse without that guitar solo? And listen to Axel's voice in 1999. What other song do you think he recorded right around this time period that has that same sort of throatiness and, and almost like there's a frog stuck in his throat kind of voice where he's just straining to get out the lyrics? Reminds me of this song from Chinese Democracy. Oh, no, always left so far out from the shore so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna play for you now songs that evolved and then we're gonna get to the instrumental stuff the world has never heard and we're gonna end then with the new tracks that have vocals on it that the world's never heard before and I think that's a good way to do this so let's talk about the evolution of tracks on Chinese democracy because he would have a raw album ready to go in 2001 let's play for you right now 
Let's play for you right now the original version of the song Chinese Democracy that was ready to go in 2001 that Axel was insecure about. Now, keep in mind that this song is recorded without Buckethead. We are then going to listen to the part that Buckethead added to this album that I think makes it even better. But here's how he originally wanted the song Chinese Democracy to sound. Actually, let's listen to the album version first so you can hear the difference of the original to the one the world finally got. And you, you let, let's talk about which one we think has more pop. about hearing that first is you're gonna realize when you hear the original version of the song how much more work Axel put into the final version of the song the world got now what I want you to hear now is the original version of Chinese democracy and a few things I want you to listen to how there's much less going on musically you hear a lot more of the bass line when Axel's singing, just the bass in his voice, which is really cool and much rawer than the final version, which has a lot of slide guitar work by Bumblefoot. You're also going to hear the guitar solo at the end of the song. I believe it's Josh Freeze's guitar solo. Now, on the final studio version, Buckethead, he lets Josh Freeze's part play, and then he adds to the solo, which I think makes it even better. And you're going to see that as we, we show some examples of how Buckethead's additions made stuff so much better. But it's all cup, copy and pasted, right? It's cut and paste material. It's not like he wrote the entire solo. So let's listen to the entire raw version of the original song Chinese Democracy, listen to the guitar solo, and then we're going to play Buckethead's edition after. So here we go. Here's the original 1999-2001 version of Chinese Democracy.
right, let's stop it there because you hear how the guitar solo goes and then it goes into you don't really matter. Now, that's the short version of the original guitar solo of this song before Buckethead came on board. Now, listen to the same solo and then listen to how Buckethead takes this solo and this song to a whole nother level. shows the world why Buckethead was the biggest acquisition that Axl Rose got when he was working on this material. I'm going to do another example of what Buckethead brought to this band and why when he left, it was pretty much over for this band being exciting when Buckethead exited the band. So this another song Axl was working on called There Was a Time. And I want to play for you There Was a Time before Buckethead and then after Buckethead. So let's play for you There Was a Time. And Buckethead added about a minute and a half of amazing guitar work that just, again, brought that song to another level of greatness. So here's the original version of There Was a Time.
let's listen to the same exact song with Buckethead in the band. And you tell me this man didn't make this band so much better and was actually more talented than Axel. Here we go. Same exact section. Can you find Buckethead? But there was a
so amazing right now. Here's the real issue with Chinese democracy. And even though Axel had to replace Buckethead with Bumblefoot, now let's listen to the outro of Catcher in the Rye. Now remember, Catcher in the Rye was recorded with another very well-known guitarist. This is the guitar work of Queen's very own Brian May. And the end of Catcher in the Rye, I think, is one of the most beautiful outros in the history of Guns N' Roses. And when you listen to how Brian May approached the song, it's very subtle at the end with the guitar, and it allows Axel's beautiful lyrics to take the spotlight. And then you listen to Ron Bumblefoot Thal's version of the outro, and he absolutely destroys what I believe is Axel's beautiful poetry with this shredding guitar that just doesn't fit the song. So let's listen to the outro of Catcher in the Rye the way it was supposed to be with Brian May first. Are you ready to hear that same exact song butchered by Bumblefoot? And it starts off right away. Right when Axel starts in with his beautiful lyric, On an ordinary day, back in an ordinary way. Just listen to how Bumblefoot's guitar just is doing all this random weird stuff. And it's just like takes away from the beauty of the song. And I'll let you be the judge.
what the fuck, right? It's like Axel just didn't know where to stop with this album. And that's just the story of Chinese democracy. And now let's get to, let's just get to the new stuff. And before we do that, let's just play, I think this is a good example of how so many different types of sounds are in all of these songs. And I tell people that Chinese democracy is like a fine cognac. You have to sort of listen to hear all these unique notes that are pieced together. And it's kind of amazing that Axel was able to assemble all of these competing sounds into songs that ultimately some of them were actually really good. And let's take, for example, let's start with the song. This song was called $3 Pyramid when they started working on it. That was like the track name. Now, you're going to recognize it once I played for you. But let's look at a musical composition by this band, and you'll get a sense of like all of the different sounds they were going for. And it actually is kind of beautiful when you strip away the lyrics and you just listen to how it's all assembled. So let's let's hear $3 Pyramid.
Now, Better was written by Mr. Robin Fink of Nine Inch Nails. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a mixture of songs that have vocals from this period of time and songs that are just instrumental. And you could see, you could see how Axel could take an instrumental piece and absolutely change it into a different song by what I'm going to share first. So let's do this. Let's play for you the demo of a song that then became the same name song on Chinese Democracy. But I want you to try and guess what song this is as I play it. Here we go. So this is a good time to stop it because what you're going to see now is Axl Rose took that demo and made a song out of it. Now you're going to see what I mean when I say Axl had all these guys just make music and then he adjusted it so that what you just heard, he clearly slowed it down and turned it into this song. Isn't it incredible how much it changed from the demo that was written by Buckethead to what ended up on the album? Let's listen to Ron Bumblefoot Thal's solo in Shackler's Revenge, and then I'm going to play for you something the world's never heard, which is the solo that Buckethead had originally put into Shackler's Revenge. And what's interesting is Bumblefoot trying to emulate the sound that Buckethead created I don't think is good, but here's the album version of the solo. That's not actually too bad. I think Bumblefoot, when he has to recreate Buckethead, he actually is in his element of shredding, right? Doesn't work when he's recreating Brian May solos. Now let's listen to Buckethead's original solo in the original version of Shackler's Revenge. Really cool. No one's ever heard this. Here we go.
great, right? So you can get this industrial metal sound to this album, right? So here's the, here's the deal. Let's start out. Let's start out with the first of our instrumental tracks that we're going to listen to. This is a song that was rumored to be one of the tracks that would be on Chinese Democracy. This is the instrumental version of a song called Zodiac. Let's take it away.
Now that sounds like a final version of a song that's just waiting for Axel lyrics. Now, he also was really fascinated with Nine Inch Nails. Now this song has Axel lyrics. I'm not sure if this was going to be the complete song, but this definitely shows that Axel Rose was really also trying to experiment with a Nine Inch Nails Robin Fink kind of sound. And this song is called, and this has vocals, this is called Silk Worms.
I mean, imagine that on an album by a band that released Sweet Child of Mine in Paradise City, right? It just starts to feel like this stuff doesn't fit in the world of Guns N' Roses. Now, speaking of stuff that doesn't fit in the world of Guns N' Roses, let's do another song that has Axel's vocals on it that basically is another Nine Inch Nails-inspired track. This one is called Eye on You.
again, you can definitely hear the Nine Inch Nails influence on that song and the Robin Fink influence. Now let's play another instrumental track that doesn't have actual lyrics, but also gives you another interesting insight into the kind of musical sound he was going for on Chinese Democracy. And just ask yourself, could you see a song with this kind of musical direction? Could you see it on Chinese Democracy? Does it have a home there? This is called Me and My Elvis.
what do you think? Do you think Axel had a hit there? I don't know. I don't know. A lot of interesting stuff going on. But again, you see this like these songs just don't have normal sort of composition. There's no defining guitar solos in them. It's a lot of stuff going on. Speaking of a lot of stuff going on, this next track, Atlas Shrugged, whenever people were talking about the big guns that were going to be on Chinese democracy, this was before the album was out. We always heard about this song, Atlas Shrugged. Now, it turns out this song is a little bit like a Sweet Home Alabama, kind of like country guitar funk going on with it. And on guitar on this song is Mr. Brian May from Queen. And see if you can sort of get a sense of the difference from that industrial rock sound to a song like this. And you can get a sense that Axel didn't quite know what kind of sound he was going for because this song sounds a lot like the same vibe as Catcher in the Rye. So let's play Atlas Shrugged right now.
Now, that's a great example of a song in which I do think there's a little too much going on. It's kind of hard to hear Axel through all of this stuff happening. It would have been much better just an acoustic guitar and those beautiful lyrics. Now, again, these are not final album versions of the music, but you see how they're doing that effect on his voice? It just It's like too much tinkering of a good thing. So let's jump back into an instrumental track that no one's really heard before. And this again will show you sort of that hard sort of metal sound he was going for on half of the material. This is a song, let's see, it's called um, it's called Dummy. And this is, I think, the hardest of all the instrumental leaks. Let's listen to Dummy right now.
that was pretty weird. Pretty weird. Dummy. All right, let's listen to another. Let's listen to another song with lyrics. This is called State of Grace. The choice that you made is not a rule that I would take to use and betray. As simple as a power play, not far away, with tears that go unexplained.
All right. Now, this next instrumental track, this this one would have been big because I think a lot of this industrial rock is not working really well for Axel, but this song, it's called Oklahoma, and I think out of all the leaked instrumentals, this feels like this would have been the biggest Guns N' Roses rocker hit if they had made a song with this instrumental.
right? Doesn't that feel like good old rock and roll the way Izzy Stradlin would have wrote a Guns N' Roses song? And that is why this next track, Hard School, sounds like it goes really well with Oklahoma. But you get the sense, right? All these songs are all over the place musically in, in their sound. I love Hard School because it reminds me of old school GNR. Let's listen to Hard School.
mean, that's like the modern day you could be mine with Buckethead shredding there. Okay, now we get back into the world of crazy electronic rock sort of GNR. This instrumental is called, it's called Mustache. This is really, so now again, try to picture this sound going along with hard school and like Oklahoma, right? It just doesn't, it feels like completely different kinds of musicians working on this stuff. This is cool though, this is cool, but is it Guns N' Roses? Mustache.
All right, right? Gets weird. It gets even weirder here with this song called Sub Duplex. And this, no, sorry, Dub Suplex, the Dub Suplex song. Now, this sounds like it has to be Buckethead because it sounds a lot like Shackler's Revenge. This is called Dub Suplex. First principles simplicity. Read Marcus Aurelius of each particular thing. Ask, what is it in itself? What is its nature? What does it do? good i don't know is that axel saying that or anthony hopkins okay so this next one again it gets really you, you can just get he had this entire album of like heavy industrial rock ready to go and i just feel like he got insecure with it but this one is called devious bastards and just so you know these things were all ready to just have axel lay vocals over so these are on the village mixes which were meant for axel to do his thing and then they were ready to go so here's devious bastard Nothing yet. A lift off and the clock is started. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. 
How do you put that on an album with this next song, which is clearly an Axl Rose sort of like coma-like piano song? I'm not going to play this whole song, but it's it's a clearly an Axl-driven song. It's called As It Began. Not As It Begins, As It Began.
I don't know what uh, what's up with that song. It, it it reminds me of when Spock is swimming with big whales in Star Trek. So here's another weird song of Axel and, and just Axel on the keyboard called Nothing. Very strange. Just I, I don't know. Would this have been a song? Who knows? Is he just testing out the melody? Who knows? Here we go. So that's one that I'm happy that Axel left on the editing room floor. This is how you do a piano-driven song with Axel. This one is really good, and I'm really surprised this wasn't on Chinese Democracy because I think this would have been one of the better tracks on Chinese D, and this is called Perhaps.
All right. I love that song. I think that would have been a great GNR hit. So this this next one is a song that is almost got Axel's vocals, but it actually does have him on it. And he's testing out the harmony of his voice with the song. This is really interesting to see that middle ground where the instrumentals are done. And then this is Axel sort of getting ready to figure out how he wants to sing the song and getting his sort of vocal range aligned with the instruments. This is called Quick Song.
right. So here's another track that looks like it's pretty complete and it's just waiting for Axel. Do you notice like no great guitar solos are on most of these tracks? I've noticed that. Where's Slash? This is called Curly Shuffle. And I think we should end this journey into the mind of Axl Rose 
with one final song that I think, again, just shows how he was just more about experimenting with sound than actually making an album worthy of the name Guns N' Roses. This is called Circus Maximus.
All right, well, that concludes our journey, and it's just crazy to think that these songs are 20 years old, assembled by some of the greatest musicians in the world. Axel got to work with the best. And even with all the money in the world and all the time in the world and all the access to these incredible musicians, the music just goes over your head. It's unrelatable. The lyrics are melodramatic. It's not fun. It's just not fun. It's like laborious to get through it all. And you could see how he just couldn't decide what to do. And ultimately, all of this, all of this effort, it will never be as good as five dudes who are broke, who just played with energy and wrote stuff that captured the youth and the swagger and the ego and the misogynistic sort of outlook they had in the world. And the combination of a punk bassist like Duff, a blues guitarist like Slash, a country rhythm guitarist like Izzy Stradlin, a drummer like Steven Adler with a metal voice like Axel created music that just went into you and just into your soul and it hits you in a way that nothing we just heard does. And we have to end with that reminder of what Guns N' Roses should sound like. Place for